I'm Tom Francis, and this is Next Up to the Mic, where we go back into the archives here at Albany Poets Headquarters and feature the poets, writers, and spoken word artists that have performed at regional events such as Albany Poets Presents, Poets Speak Loud, Brass Tacks, Nitty Gritty Slam, the Albany Word Fest, and for this reading, Dan Wilcox's Living Room. In this episode of the podcast, we welcome Michelle Batiste, who gave a very special, intimate reading at the Poetry Motel in Albany, New York, on May 22nd, 2009. Michelle Batiste is one of the many local poets who got their start at Tom Nattel's legendary QE2 open mic back in the 90s, and she has continued to share her words all across the country ever since. Michelle is the author of Waiting for the Wreck to Burn, Uprising, and ink for an odd cartography. She's also the author of several chapbooks, including Left, Letters to Strangers. Her poems have appeared in American Poetry Review, The Rumpus, Memorous, and Women's Studies Quarterly, among others. Michelle has taught poetry workshops for Wichita State University, the Prison Arts Program in Kansas, Gotham Writers Workshops, and Teen Inc. A finalist for the National Poetry Series, she has received grants and awards from the New York Foundation for the Arts, AWP, the Center for the American West, the Jerome Foundation, and the New York State Senate. She lives in Colorado, where she works for the Nature Conservancy, raising money to save the planet. You can find out more about her on her website, www.michellebatiste.net. Please welcome, next up to the mic, Michelle Batiste. Oh, a flare. And I haven't time for vodka. Patience. I could send you to pay. For $20, she'll write your lover's name in newsprint. Stick it in her freezer next to chicken breasts and peas. Oh, my God. To freeze and wander. $5 a week prevents an accident. Oh, oh. my God. Look what she's going to tie you to. Oh, too. my God. <laughs> my mother was a gypsy. Imported straight from Hungary, and she taught me many things. Oh, a process. And the best methods of poison. No magic in that, I tell you. No magic in anything. You can leave if this is not what you expected. <laughs> Calculations, algorithms, the geometry of web. I've been to college. Studied history, which is hidden in the texts of chronology, cause and effect, the scholars' necessary logic. A pastic. I think I was a spider in a former life. And you? Yeah. Oh, well, Both practiced in the oh, art of lighting. But I've given up counts. I cast in measured threads, a gossamer weaving, a goblet of knots, a process every novice learns and soon discards for a sweatless charm of Wicca for the voodoo intoxicant. It's a master's labor. Precise angles of intersection, 360 degrees of direction, last chance timing, and a single half second to secure each knot. One lazy miscastran can turn a spell to tangles, wasting months. Months. When completed, 
the lasting cannot be undone, but only one can wear the silks of enchantment. Mm. Shall we begin? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's a, an, a, an intimacy-creating piece. Okay. So hopefully you're feeling a little bit uh, more intimate with your neighbors. But feel free to uh, untie yourself. Seriously. 
Five, nothing is more lethal, lethal than a pair of Marc Jacobs stilettos and a $50 update. <laughs> Six, Catherine Parr, Henry's sixth wife, his third Catherine, survived him and two other husbands. Not a proper example of natural selection, but a lovely one of endurance. Seven, half of the... Half of the 50 species of frogs discovered by Joseph R. Mendelssohn became extinct in the last 17 years. Eight, at a temperature of 3,500 degrees Celsius, a diamond will evaporate, demonstrating that forever is a huckster scheme. <laughs> Nine, women can have their floating ribs removed to achieve a more feminine hourglass figure. Ten, the college reunion revealed tragedy after tragedy. Eleven, human population growth, like that of deer when lacking a predator, is moderated by starvation and disease. Twelve, an old Hungarian saying goes like this. When raising children, one child is one child. Two children are ten. (laughs) Three again. The last person who swam in that pool had a devastating breaststroke. Thirteen, no one ever listens. I know 
called Ode to My New Food Processor. (laughs) In my 20s, I chopped. I crushed vanilla wafers one at a time by hand. I hammered nuts. Once, in desperation, I threw them in the coffee grinder. That was a mistake. Appliances are commitments, like pets. I found you at the home improvement store next to the blenders. On or off a pulse. I liked that. Pulse. My boyfriend talked about combining kitchens when I put you in the cart. The instruction manual, unimaginative, really limits your potential. I won't make cheesecake ever again. It's like a forced march. Boy, what you do to cooked kale and old potatoes. I saved the warranty, but didn't mail in the little card. Not sure how that administrative stuff works anyway. And anyway, you're not breaking down. Not even when I force-feed you frozen cheese. (laughs) I'm talking about economy, efficiency. He thinks we should move in together by the end of summer. My knives were growing dull, and I don't own a sharpener. You've replaced things I've never had. A potato masher, a cheese grater, a lemon reamer. I'm lying about the lemon reamer. (laughs) That's something to register for when wedding guests are habitual shoppers at Williams and Sonoma. Still, you don't crush ice, and I resent that a little. I like my countertops uncluttered, but now I'm thinking about a blender. He has a toaster, a cake pan... Dessert plates, a cooling rack. My brother told me I'm not the marrying kind, but then again, my brother doesn't eat a lot of vegetables. <laughs> Add it all up, and I've probably spent a solid month chopping, ju- chopping vegetables. You slice through daikon root in less than a second. Is it wrong to find that thrilling? It's not the time is running out. I don't mean to put this all on you. I mean, I'm sorry the coffee grinder broke. I mean, I'm thinking. without country, rucksacks of clavicle, of salt-licked crimson, slivers of silvered skin crossing palm, a faded deck of tarot, fingertipped and risky, the upturned card of fool. Every border crossing claimed a changeling. Demon-blooded limbs that twitched with every touch of other skin. Was I the stolen child, or were you? We were too tangled to tell. The gypsies passed and cast a tarantella to our bones. In the morning, they are searching for a homeland. In the morning, we trace their tracks like reading Braille, like telling fortunes, like the newly baptized wanting so much to believe. So 
home um, that is part of a, a project that I was really proud to be a part of. It's called Starting Today, um, the First 100 Days. And it was a, a project curated by these two poets named um, Rachel Zucker and Ariel Greenberg. And they sent out this sort of mass call uh, to poets saying, we want to we wanna post a poem for the first 100 days of Obama's presidency. Um, and they did this the, the day before the inauguration. And they said, you know, you know, get back to us within the next 24 hours, and we will send you your day. Um, and I signed up, and I was terrified that my day was going to be like, you know, day three or something like that, because, you know, I, I would, I would, it would have been a bad, bad poem. And you were supposed to write the poem the day of, and I totally was like, no, I, no one needs to read that. Um, so I was, I was day 74, uh, April, no, day, 70, day 74, April 4th, I believe. And um, the poem is called What He Said, and it starts with a quote from President, then-Senator, uh, Barack Obama, uh, from a speech he made on July 17, 2007. Uh, he said, The first thing I'd do as president is sign the, is sign the Freedom of Choice Act. That's the first thing that I'd do. What he said. The baby says, Mama, and I turn, kneel, offer up. The baby says, Bubble, and a bottle turns up, conjured and warm. Imagine that, the ease, the thrill. To speak, and it happens. To name, and it appears. Who other than a child wields this power? My body is spring-loaded with muscle, prepared for a fight that hasn't yet happened. Yet bearing and birthing the child came close to breaking my heart. The doctors hooked me to wires, monitored the errant blips, the horrible music of ventricular counterpoint. Each unintentional dozing off mimicked death's sly heart. The doctors shrugged it off, unplugged the works, wrote benign in a folder, and I was well. The ease, the thrill. There will be no more babies. Yet my body insists on its rhythmic launching of eggs, ignores the heart's stuttered caution. Inside me grows a tiny fear. Its flesh hard as a hollowed out board. The little shaman chants new, 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 calling the milk from my breast, my breast to his mouth. His hands clench and unclench. His body's weight on my belly. Thank you. That was the great Michelle Batiste. You can find out more about her and her work on her website, michellebatiste.net, and on Facebook and Twitter. 
Thank you for listening to Next Up to the Mic. We couldn't do it without the very generous supporters of local poetry and spoken word. If you'd like to support this and other Albany Poets projects, go to albanypoets.com slash donate. And if you're a business and want to sponsor this podcast, send an email to albanypoets at gmail.com. To find out more about the great poetry and spoken word community right here in upstate New York, go to albanypoets.com and be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at albanypoets.